Welcome to Gruesome, your horrific true crime podcast. I'm Connie, along with my fellow elder emo, Meg. This is episode late teen, <laughs> 18. The <laughs> love, for anyone that didn't get it. Uh, this is the love triangle of Bill and Louise Bergen and Edith Klump. And Meg's going to tell us all about it. You've been on one today with your late teen <laughs> and your senior citizen. Senior citizen. Earlier, she was like, I don't know if we're Elder emos are senior citizens, and I, I died. I thought so. Um, so this episode is a little late. That's okay, because we... Sorry, guys. I was stuck in Kentucky. <laughs> Nothing against the people of Kentucky, but it was the freaking worst. Without power. Without anything. More snow than I've seen since I was a kid. And ice, and three kids, and no Wi-Fi, and... <laughs> awful it was awful well we're happy you're back and this is our first late episode so congratulations yeah. everyone sorry guys it's not a big deal all right so i had another case i was gonna do for this episode and i mentioned that in the last one but it was too intense i wasn't really i was in the mood to get that dark so i, just, I feel that like <laughs> sometimes you have to sometimes i'll start like researching i'm like yeah this is what i'm gonna do and then i'm like oh god i can't finish this list i'm not gonna do this yeah but it was you know i wanted to go valentine's day themed with a good old-fashioned love triangle from the 50s My favorite types of triangle yeah. and we're gonna keep it midwest local it's whoop, uh whoop. it's actually out of ohio so local oh, to you yay. Um, what's, up, what's up? I read an entire book about this case and the majority girl. of the info I got is from it. And I, if you're a reader, I will put the Amazon link up in our social media and I will plug it after we talk about this. So you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm ready. November 1st, 1958, three young men were duck hunting. They were trying to duck hunt. They had taken their boat out before the sun came up and they didn't catch anything. And it was cold and rainy. So they decided to try a different location, see if they might have some better luck, and they left. And then they came back to that original location, which is called Lake Cowan. Um, But by four o'clock, Cecil, Elbert, and Dean, the most 50s dude names I've ever heard Yeah, those are so wholesome. (laughs) They were over it. They pulled their boat back up to the beach, and they got out, and Dean went to go get the car, and they left Cecil and Elbert back at the beach. But Cecil's kind of moseying around, and something caught his eye. It looked... Like a leftover bonfire. Oh, no. It was in the middle of a bunch of cattails, and that seemed weird. And as he approached, he realized that there was a pair of legs sticking out of those cattails in that old bonfire. The previous day Mm. (laughs) had been Halloween. So they were like, oh, this is a prank. It's just some, like, fake legs stuck in fire. Yeah, they have those, like, that hang out of people's cars now. Yeah, they stick them in a plant, stick them out of a Christmas tree. Just some legs. Which legs? But the closer they looked... They saw the legs were covered in blisters. Oh, no. And there was toes, and they saw a necklace. Elbert ended up telling the police after they called them that you could tell that there was a head, but if you had to recognize it as a head, you wouldn't have known. Mm. Cecil and Dean had um, had walked to a farmhouse and called the sheriff and a detective on the case, Robert Dunbar. But it wasn't until Monday that they actually got a missing persons report that matched the description of the body that they had found. The woman whose burned remains that they had just stumbled upon was Louise Bergen, a 32-year-old woman that had been missing since Thursday, October 30th, the day before Halloween. Louise was supposed to go home for dinner after work, and afterwards she was going to go into downtown Cincinnati with one of her friends to go see a show. But she had never 
shown up to back at her own house and she never showed up uh, to go see the show with her friend. That's suspicious. <laughs> Louise worked for a transportation company um, and she had been there for three years. She was in bookkeeping and she was described as a crackerjack worker. Aw, I would not be described <laughs> as that. <laughs> a real crackerjack worker. But other than that, no one else really knew anything about her. I think you're a crackerjack worker, by the way. Aw, thank you. Just probably not at work. About work. Yeah, it's not at <laughs> About lots of other things, though. Yes, not work, though. The last person who had seen Louise alive was a superintendent named Mel Abrams. He had watched her leave the car lot at 5 p.m. on Thursday. Mel Mel Abrams was also Louise's husband's best friend. So Louise and her husband, Bill William Bergen, they were currently separated. Bill already lived with his new girlfriend, Edith, even before they were divorced. He had already moved in with her. And in the 50s, like, how taboo. Yeah, like, I just think of Pleasantville with the two beds. Like, it's, how could you? Like, I pictured that like this that whole time. I was like, oh, wow, this is exactly Pleasantville. You're right. And if you've never yeah, seen Pleasantville, me. go watch Pleasantville. Yeah, it's please do. Reese Witherspoon. I don't know. Toby McGuire. <laughs> Toby McGuire. Just classic. Um, So the detective, Detective Dunbar, he had taken the necklace that they found at that burn site along with a keychain. And the keychain had a pocket knife and a set of keys. And they brought them to Louise's apartment to show her sister and her mother and her estranged husband who was there. Um, And Bill recognized the pocket knife as his best friend Mel's because he had owned the car before she did. So the keys on the ring also fit Louise's suitcases that were in her closet. But her car was still missing. They couldn't find the car. Mel happened to be Bill's alibi for that night that she had disappeared. They had been hanging out at his house. How convenient. (laughs) How convenient. They had been hanging out at Mel's house from 7.30 on. And Mel was kind of indifferent to Bill and Louise being separated. He thought they were like being kids about it and that they needed to get over it for the sake of their marriage. But Bill and Edith were actually pretty serious. He still milked Mel, the friend, kind of thought that he would eventually go back home to his wife. But Louise wasn't totally innocent. She had been seen with a dispatcher from work and another driver, but her sister Abby claimed that she didn't hang out with any men. She only went out with friends or if she was going window shopping. (laughs) That's what I call it too, window shopping. I'm just, you know, going window shopping, honey. See you later. Uh, they did find her car. <laughs> Sorry. It's the, uh, it's like we choreographed that sigh. We did not. Um, on Tuesday, they found her car in the parking lot of an outdoor mall and the driver's door was unlocked and they found a stack of bookkeeping paperwork in the front seat and she'd obviously not planned to be gone for very long. The Bergen's marital troubles, they kind of started way before they had separated, before they even lived in Cincinnati. They had lived in Norfolk and there they had a daughter, Linda, in 1949. Bill told police that in Norfolk, he went out a lot. He went bowling, he liked to play music, and he preferred to go out without Louise because sometimes he did go out with other women. Oh. (laughs) Just telling the cops everything, yeah. But things changed when he found out that she had also started seeing someone on the side. Well, I mean, what do you expect? Of course they do. Like, it's always like, you know. The audacity. (laughs) How dare you cheat on me while I was cheating on you? Only I'm allowed 
job to act like that. Uh, he was so upset about it that he took a transfer with his job and moved them to Cincinnati. But even with the move, their ma- marriage was stressful. There was no sex. So Bill started to stray again. And that is when he found himself interested in a waitress that he met at a restaurant. His current living girlfriend, Edith Klum, he had moved out of the house or the apartment with Louise in May of 1958. And by the end of the summer, he had begun to question why he had left his wife. He said he could tell that Edith was uneasy and she told him, Edith told Bill, that she knew that Louise was dating someone, which kind of seems like, you know, he starts questioning, maybe I should go back to my wife. And she's like, well, I know she's dating someone. She said that she found out from a mutual friend, but she didn't, she didn't remember who. Isn't it crazy that like, that's how you had to like, it's not like today where I could go Facebook browse any of anybody and be like, oh, well, this is what's happening. Yeah, just like crack into your DMs and find out what the heck's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So by the end of summer, he was with Edith in their apartment, but he was also like kind of wondering. But after Labor Day. (laughs) Yeah. After Labor Day, um, Louise and Linda, their daughter, had returned from a vacation they had taken in Pennsylvania. And Louise was like, you know what? Let's get this ball rolled in. And she started the divorce proceedings. At a girl. And she sent for her attorney and her attorney sent a letter for a meeting with Bill. And it does. It always happens like that, though. When the person who's like, I want out, they decide that they're done or they decide like, I'm going to go get my own piece. They always feel like that. And the person left is like, okay, wait, well, then what am I doing? Wait, we have a kid. We're married. Do I really want to do this? It always takes the other person to like make Mm -hmm. them remember what they had. But I give Louise like it's it takes some serious. BDE it's a big energy to be like you know what fine I'm gonna file for divorce yeah especially in the 50s yeah 1958 no doubt yeah like with a kid yeah that's uh okay I know you're a dirtbag I'm just gonna <laughs> big ovary energy yep so because Bill was like pining for his wife as you said he started driving by her work like regularly he was hoping like he might catch a glimpse of her leaving for the day and eventually he did and he pulled in and asked her to talk with him in the car for a while and eventually he kind of brought up maybe that they could think about the whole divorce thing for a few more months and Louise agreed. Ugh. I know. <laughs> Suckered her back into it. Mm. While he's living with another woman. Mm-hmm. Right? Of course. Please pause this. I'm gonna go back to my girlfriend but just think about maybe not divorcing. Maybe <laughs> we don't want to do this. We have a daughter after all. Um, What would the neighbors think? <laughs> <laughs> So the friend that Louise was supposed to meet that night, her name was Anne, and Aww. they had been introduced by Louise's boss, Chick. Anne worked at a business that Chick... Chick, I yeah. love it. <laughs> so again, just so like retro, awesome. right? Um, Anne worked at a business that Chick did a lot of work with, and he thought that because Louise was in a bad place with all the divorce junk, that she could use a friend. And Louise and Anne pitted it off, and they started hanging out with another girl that Louise worked with, Ruth. They were chilling fairly regularly, going to shows. I love a good girl squad. It was. It was a 50s girl squad. I want to see their like fancy outfits and them like arm in arm walking down the sidewalk. Yes. Um, berets. Oh. But Anne was the gal that Louise failed to meet up with the day she went missing on October 30th. She said that she would call her on the landline around 530 when she got home. And it was a little later than she normally might have called her after work because Louise had an appointment right after work. 
work, but she never called. So Anne called her. And Louise's sister said that she wasn't home yet. She called again at 6.30. And her mom said that she should have been home, but she wasn't. Maybe there had been a miscommunication and Louise had actually just went down to where they were supposed to meet that night. So Anne said, all right, I'll go down and check. She went to meet her. She wasn't there. And after looking around and waiting for her for two more hours, she finally left. The next morning, Anne was so worried that she tried calling her at work. And the office told her that she wasn't in yet. I know, it's always those like good friends that are the ones that are like pulling for you. Um, Louise's mom called Anne and asked if Louise had stayed with her. And it was like, no, she didn't. And cue the frantic calling. Uh. So Louise's mom called Bill, who was already questioning whether or not he wanted a divorce. And he called all of the local emergency rooms. He called her boss, who told him to call the police. And he called Anne. He demanded to know who she was dating randomly. Like, she's Mm. missing, so who's she dating? And Anne was like, she's not dating anyone, you idiot. This was strange though, right? Because Edith had told them that she knew, she knew that she was dating Mm -hmm. someone. Oh, Edith, what did you do? (laughs) So Bill called Edith and he was like, hey, uh, you said she was dating someone. Who is it? Because she's missing. And she said that, you know, you had mentioned that she was seeing her boss, Chick, Haft. And Chick was really kind of like a father figure in her life. He was you know, trying to set her up with friends and keep her positive. He had sold her the car she had after Bill left with their only car. Yeah, she was not dating Chick Haft. After talking to police... And them saying that they really couldn't do anything for 24 hours, 1958. I mean, they still do that. Mm-hmm. Isn't it crazy that hasn't changed yeah, in that hasn't changed in 60 years, 62 years? He went over um, to Louise's apartment and Bill stayed there all night. He just waited by the phone for a call that never came. The next day, Saturday, November 1st, Bill was driving Linda, their daughter, around to do stuff. And he was like, Ugh, I should go to my apartment and change. So the thing about Bill and Edith is Bill had his own apartment separately, but he didn't stay there. He stayed at Edith's. So did they have a lot of money? No, they didn't. They were just regular. Actually, money, yeah, they were just average folk. Money comes into play here in a minute, actually, though. So hang in there. Um, So they're driving around. He goes to his apartment that he can escape from both of his wives from. (laughs) And he... Well, my own apartment. Yeah, and then he goes over to Edith's and he questions her again. And he's like, do you really know if Louise was seeing anyone? And she was kind of... Kind of like cheeky about it. She says, well, you don't know this, but I saw Louise two weeks ago. She called me and asked if we could meet. And Bill was, oh. like, Bill was like, what? Uh. And Edith had said that she wanted her help to get Bill to go ahead with the divorce. Edith said that Louise had told her all about her and Bill's life before and how they were both sleeping around on each other. And he said that she was seeing a man that wanted her to go away with him without Linda. But Louise had said no. But Bill's kind of confused like why would she tell you all of this information why would she tell my girlfriend all of this information Edith is kind of an interesting character also some people described her as very hardworking and frugal she just wanted to make a good life for her kids because she had four kids she had five kids actually she had five kids oh wow yeah and but a lot of people also described her as calculating and how she only ever wanted money so she could have a good time bill and edith had been living together as though they were married and even her children thought that the two of them were actually married i like oh she did have four children. I thought it was five because she mentioned a baby, but she babysits also. So she had four kids. My bad. Plus Bill's daughter, Linda. So yeah, you get it. She had met Bill 
when he pursued her after her second rocky marriage had ended. They had just met in March, and then they had moved in together by the end of the summer. And remember, he was he told his wife that he was going to leave in May. So of course, his still legal wife turned up missing, and police are like, we better talk to her also. Yeah, absolutely. And they did a taped interview with her the Wednesday after Louise's body was discovered. Edith took them through all of the drama, she and Bill's relationship, and she didn't even know that he had been living with his wife. He told her that like they were getting a divorce and he had to live at the apartment when she found out because for financial reasons. And his mo- don't worry, because his mother-in-law lived there and chaperoned them. Louise knew about Edith, though, and she knew that Bill had said he was going to marry her after the divorce, and she was fine with it. Louise and Edith had been introduced by Bill before, and they had talked several times over those last few months. In this interview, Edith said that Louise told her that she was glad to know her. She was anxious to meet her when they met, and a week after that, Louise had called Edith and asked her to come talk. She said that she changed her mind about being okay with she and Bill getting married, that hearing Bill say goodbye to Linda had caused her to rethink the divorce. Edith told her that she should just go out and find a new man, but Louise wasn't convinced, so she told Edith that she was going to try to talk to Bill again. On and off, on and off. Yeah, Jesus. I know. <laughs> when we're talking love triangle, right? Um, So she called him, and they ended up talking for several hours. And the next day, Bill and Edith had lunch, and he told her that he was having a hard time with these choices that he had made, and he thought maybe he made the wrong choice, and he wanted some time away alone to think about him. Cue misery business by Paramore. <laughs> Oh, so Bill just flew off and took a vacation for a week. I feel that. (laughs) I could do that now too, Bill. Can't completely blame you. Uh, Edith said he called her every night and told her how much he missed her. And when he came back, he went right to the restaurant where she worked and hugged her like he would never leave again. And after that, Bill asked Edith to marry him, even though he was still married. Yeah. They bought a ring and they went to a park and exchanged vows. Wait, they're made up fake vows. You can't do that. It's like, that's not how this works. It was that's not how any of this wedding, works. So they were just like, we're married. They just told everyone <laughs> that they were married. And they even- I'm going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> they took a honeymoon to Indiana. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> August and it was a beautiful summer. They looked at houses and they took Edith's kids to do fun stuff. But then after Labor Day, you know, after Linda and Louise came back from Pennsylvania, Bill started acting all kinds of weird again. Yeah, she came back with that post-vacation breakup glow. Like it's like... (laughs) Exactly. She was like, you know what? I don't even need a man. Yeah, uh, she. I know exactly the vibe she was putting <laughs> off and I get it. So this was the time that Louise sent the letter and he started working late and Edith mm. was getting frustrated because she said she was pregnant. Uh, was she? I don't know. Let's find out. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> she finally asked if he was seeing Louise or someone else and he suggested that he moved out. He didn't even tell her. He was just <laughs> I'm going to invite myself to not live here anymore. And Edith's just like, what the dude? I'm pregnant? We just got, quote, fake married. Quote, Mary. We just got fake married. My kids call you dad. You took me on this beautiful honeymoon to Indiana. <laughs> to Indiana. The mountains of Indiana. <laughs> 
But all Bill said was, I have to consider Linda too. You'll make it out okay. Like, she's <laughs> pregnant. What a dick. You've got plenty of kids. You've done this before. <laughs> Third time's a charm, sis. Oh, man. You'll make it out okay. <laughs> Jesus, can you imagine? No. I would have uppercoated him right in his throat. Like, and how does he have two women that, like, don't? Maybe we we love him. We don't love him. We love him. It's like fucking Smeagol. Jeez. <laughs> So in the middle of October, that was when Edith had said Louise called her up to talk. And after the summer, she was feeling confident again. She had that post-VK glow. And she was like, you know what? I don't want Bill. Him's nasty. You could have him. Yeah. She was definitely divorcing him. And Edith told her that she wasn't going to be with him either because she was pretty (laughs) sure that he was seeing someone else. So Edith at this point is also like, you know what? I'm out too. Uh, Now we're in a love square. (laughs) (laughs) Bill wasn't actually seeing anyone else. Inevitably, Edith and Bill decided to ride it out until Christmas to see how see how it would go. Let's just keep wasting these time in our life. So where was she when Louise disappeared? Edith took her mother to run errands that day. She went shopping for bedroom furniture and toys. And then she taught a sewing class in the evening. She was running late that day. Most of the Mm. time, her daughter Jill would drop her off at class and then Bill would pick her up after work. But that night she had driven herself. Oh, that's suspicious. (laughs) It's a little weird, right? On Halloween, that Friday, Edith babysat two little boys and she brought them back that evening. She picked them up, brought them back, and the boy's father mentioned that the baby's snowsuit was wet, and she told him that she had just cleaned the car seat, and she was sorry if they smelled like smoke because they had been burning leaves. (laughs) Now, remember, she told the police all of this in this taped interview, right? They thought, oh, yeah, this is like her full, just like... (laughs) Like, I've been listening, and it didn't dawn on me that we were still in the taped confession. like we've kind Jesus. of gone in and out but yes this is mostly all her telling the police and at the end of it the police and the detectives are like who do you think could commit this kind of crime and she said sorry i'm laughing because it's the only thing i can figure out is that she met someone and they went out you know just met him on a date if i were making an opinion i don't even like to say but if i have to say something i would say it would be this fellow that she said she had come on weekends sometimes he came in on thursday night maybe there was an argument she did (laughs) she did mention that when she talked to him about everything that he wanted her to go away with him but he wouldn't take Linda and that's why when Bill said she was gone I said did she take Linda I mean it seemed funny that she would just go away like that right Edith is sounding pretty darn suspicious yeah it's like I'm sure she just met him online <laughs> tinder of the 50s <laughs> what it what was tinder of the 50s like make out point yeah I think so I would <laughs> let's say it's I make out point um, they decide they're going to polygraph her because again this is like a 50s detective movie um, they're going to polygraph her and Bill and after being interviewed for hours Bill was determined to be telling the truth about what he knew in regard to Louise it was interesting because in this interview they asked him like hey you're living as man and wife and he explained that he had moved in with Edith and married her because she was pregnant however she claimed to have suffered a miscarriage oh. around the time he decided to go back to to Louise. That was when that happened. Oh, that's very sus. Mm-hmm. 
but it's like, oh, I'm, go ahead and leave me. I had a miscarriage. And like, damn her for using something that is so traumatizing to a lot of women. That That's bullshit. Yeah. So she has this miscarriage when he decides he's going to go back to Louise and he says maybe he's just going to stay in his apartment, right? His other apartment. And then Edith becomes pregnant again. But this time, the pressure of having two families and one with a baby on the way made Bill... Bill made some interesting decisions in the following weeks. He and Edie, they went to the bank and took out a loan for $9,000, which in like oh. today's terms is $80,000. Oh, wow. That's a lot. And they were going to they were gonna pay off a mortgage and also buy out Edith's ex-husband for the house that they were living in. And Bill also reveals that he owns two guns. He has a rifle and a pistol. Both of them are sent out for testing. And he's like trying to explain this to the cops. Like, well, we went and got a bank loan and I do have pistols and we decided to move back in together. It's just like such a mess. So then Edith goes in for the polygraph test. Well, she was supposed to. She called and canceled her appointment. (laughs) Same. Like (laughs) Like, who the hell? Like, you just called up the cops and she was like, oh, I can't find a sitter. Hey, (laughs) like, I know that this is what you wanted me to do, but hear me out. I'm not going to come. Yeah, right? I mean, you don't have... Wow. You don't don't have the option, Edith. Um, It's not how any of this works. So they literally sent detectives to her house to babysit her children. Oh, shit. And then they sent some other cops and followed her to the station for her test. And while they were... while While she was answering questions for the polygraph, they searched her car. And in Edith's car... They noticed the passenger's front seat was noticeably cleaner than the rest of the car. There were particles of broken glass in the back seat, and there seemed to be dried blood flecked onto the ceiling. Hope you missed a spot. (laughs) The paperwork on her polygraph said that her denials were weak, and she appeared to be stalling. (laughs) Edith, you're not even good at lying. Stop doing it. That's why I would never do a polygraph. I'd be like, yeah, no, don't count me. But like in the 50s, it's like, oh, you have to it's not like today where you could be like nah yeah and so police are like you're lying and she kept lying and she said that louise had gotten a nosebleed in her car because she dropped her purse and bumped her head on the steering wheel because you know she had talked to louise like they had sat in the car talking it's almost as bad as the uh sean vincent gills when he's like she got her period everywhere (laughs) yeah and the cops are like they're trying to explain like splattering effect i guess but it's just like i don't know she had a nosebleed it was spraying everywhere all over the place uh she Mm. said that she couldn't have possibly murdered her because how could she have taught the class that she taught that night if she had just murdered someone she wouldn't have possibly been able to act normal and they're pointing out all of her discrepancies the blood pulled from her car matched louise's blood type there were traces of it everywhere she maintained it's like so much evidence like how can even like how how, how do you just be like, <laughs> I know. uh and it took hours and hours but eventually she cracks and edith yeah tells police that she does know what happened to louise bergen and she would talk but only if she could talk to bill first Oof, i know so bill comes and he's like i'm gonna stand by you you just need to tell the truth tell them what happened to louise and edith told them louise had called her about 10 to 5 because louise had accidentally dentally shot herself. <laughs> 
It just <laughs> keeps going, I know. And Edith found herself under arrest, <laughs> surprisingly. Well, yeah. Before placing her in custody, they weirdly took Edith home to say goodbye to her children. And while they were there, they searched her house, which I think was probably more the reason than like, well, yeah, we'll take you to say bye to your kids. Um, And they found a gas can in her basement. Edith was like, yep, that was the one that we used to pour gasoline on Louise Bergen's dead body. Yep, that's the one, friend. Uh... So they continue questioning her. And the detectives are like, we do not believe a damn thing you say, you crusty ass winch yeah like yeah <laughs> shut your mouth you're just a lying little trollop at this point just shush it right shut up, shut, up, shut up but edith was like beside herself she was confident louise had shot herself in the head the medical examiner determined that was a lie louise had been hit in the back of the head with something metal and seemingly gun shaped no bullet wounds <laughs> weird um and by the way bill did not stand by her side he immediately told all of the press he was glad it was over and that he never would have I know. He said he never would have actually married her because he was trying to reconcile with his wife. Oh, wow. Sometime in the day after she was arrested, Edith confirmed that, yep, she had used Bill's handgun. And if you haven't noticed, Edith has not one time asked for a lawyer yet. She's just talking to the cops. She's just (laughs) idiot. She's just telling them you i would go be her lawyer i just be like shut up well funny because um once they tell her she's being charged with first degree murder and she's shocked because the cops told her that it would just be manslaughter if she told them her lawyer does finally get there because her brother had called the lawyer one day this is all in like one day that she tells the cops all this stuff and her lawyer finally gets to her and he's like you dumb you told them everything you gave them a written confession and she did <laughs> This <laughs> I shouldn't laugh because like I'm so mad for what she did to Louise, but oh my god. So it, her written her written confession after like all of the lies she told the police initially, she says on Thursday. Louise called me about 10 to 5. I was teaching some Girl Scouts how to sew. Louise said that she was ready to leave work and she wanted to talk to me. Could I come and meet her? It was back and forth, but she was expecting a phone call at 6.30. Could I possibly make it? And I suppose I could. So I went down there. I put down the phone after I talked to Louise and I called Bill to see if he was coming home for dinner. He usually stayed at the office and worked, but once in a while he would come home. He said, no, I'll call you in a little while. And all I said was, okay, I'll see you. And they hung up. In some interviews, um, it says that she called him, but he didn't answer. So he didn't. she didn't actually talk to him that night. But in this confession, she says she talked to him. The Girl Scouts left at five. And on my way over to meet Louise, I opened the glove compartment to get a Kleenex. And I saw the pistol wrapped up in the glove compartment. I had forgot to put the pistol back. And I thought... Better put it back when I get home because Bill's very particular about it. So I laid the gun on the seat beside me and I did not unwrap it. I met Louise about 25 minutes after five outside of Ermit's Jewelers and she whistled and I stopped and... Yeah, I can't whistle. Sorry. I mean, I can, but I ble- not well. I can't. That was me sucking air in because <laughs> I can't do it the other way. That's how, that's how my kid whistles. She just like... Ooh. 
you know, I don't know. Add a girl. It's, dumb. I, it's funny, but it's silly. So she whistled. She stopped and got in the front seat. Louise did not see the gun because my purse was over. I picked Louise up in the middle of the lane. There was no place to park. We started up the road and I was going to park, but there was a lot of traffic. So we went to Caldwell Park. We talked about kids and Halloween and stuff like that. And she wanted to know if Bill had made his mind up about what to do. I told her I asked him to wait until after Christmas because of the kids. She had made up her mind to get a divorce and she was not going back to him. It was just dusk when we drove into Caldwell Circle. She told me that she had said to Bill, that girl loves you. Don't make her as miserable as you made me. She said she definitely wasn't going back him and she wanted to know that we were getting along. When we got there, I wanted to push the seat back so I could sit sideways and talk to her. Wait a minute, the seat is stuck. Probably something under it. I got out and got into the back seat and there was a Coke bottle under it. I don't think I hit her with the Coke bottle because I don't think I had it. I probably took it out when I cleaned the car the next day. When I sat up, I was behind her. She had the gun in her hand, pointing it at me. She was smiling. First, I kind of laughed. Thought it was a joke. I don't really remember. I started laughing, then I grabbed it, and her head hit the steering wheel. And there's like a little bit more, but essentially that's her story, right? Mm -hmm. And I know we've gone through Mm -hmm. Edith's confessions because there's so many of them. It's like I don't even, like... Yeah, you don't even know where the story is because you're like, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) What is going on? Now Louise has the gun? Yeah, exactly. So... So she says that like Edith said that she suffered from blackouts and sometimes oh, she just that's convenient. <laughs> yeah, so convenient, right? So when she came to, she saw that, you know, Louise was laying there and she reached over and felt her heart and felt for her pulse, but she couldn't feel anything. So she <sighs> She was like, maybe I'll call Bill, but he won't believe me. And so I just went back to the car. I was going to pull her out and leave her there, but I thought you would be connected to me. I was scared to death. She said she felt her pulse again and she started shaking her and there was blood everywhere and she got blood on her face. So she took a hold of her feet, pulled her body out of the car and dragged it to the trunk. An exact quote. She was quite... Dragged it to the trunk. Yeah, dragged it to the trunk. No, she was quite a bit bigger than me. Weighed about 150 pounds i weigh between 125 and 130 like humble brag no jesus humble brag i'm a skinny bitch uh she's huge and that's like not even big i know right not at all Jeez. So, jeez Louise. Edith had trouble with her arms, though. She said she was hardly able to use them. Um, And so when she was pulling her out, her head hit the car and then the ground. And then she just dragged her by her feet. And she was having, like, she said she had an awful time trying to shove her into the trunk. She could hardly lift her. She would put one in and the other side popped out like a cartoon or something. Um, <laughs> I know. It's just, like, a mess. So, it's, I just keep playing, like, uh. The Three Stooges. It's yeah. It feels music like that. in my head. It's like, like all of those like black and white. Like they're moving real fast. Like and... Bugs Bunny. Yeah, dumb. that's what this. It's ridiculous. I love a dumb criminal. Like I, <laughs> Jesus. So this was like her whole confession. She says all this stuff. Um, but we're missing like pretty crucial parts, right? Yeah. Like how the hell did she get burnt? <laughs> how and where did she even die? Yeah. Like was it the fractured skull? Did she suffocate? Was she burned alive but her official cause of death was skull and brain injuries as a result of multiple impacts to the head oh so that coke bottle maybe edith still wasn't clearing any of it up she wouldn't even tell her lawyer and even though bill had told the press he was over it he was still visiting her in jail three times a week but after a few weeks her lawyer informed 
Edith that Bill moved to Washington, D.C. with a much younger woman. Oh, oh. Yep. Oh. And she's obviously upset. So she's like, I'm not even talking to anyone. Whatever. Um, But the thing about Edith hitting Louise and like killing her and sticking her in the trunk, she said she had trouble with her arms. And the fact was Edith couldn't even carry trays at work. So how would she, in her words, move a 150 pound woman to the trunk of her car? adding up. Uh huh. Her lawyer agrees with you. He thought that she was lying and covering up for Bill, but and he moved away. The trial. She went on trial, and witness after witness went on the stand and condemned her to the electric chair. And the final witness was Bill. He went up and said that Edith had anger behind her eyes. He had signed a bank loan with her, but he didn't think she would pay it back. He just thought she was pregnant. And while Bill was testifying, Edith was visibly upset. She's sitting at her table, and she mentioned something interesting to her lawyer's secretary. She said, I don't know how he can lie like that when he knows I can tell on him. If you can picture like that 1950s <laughs> style courtroom <laughs> with like <laughs> lawyers yelling and like making claims that like Edith was evil and Bill Bergen was actually to blame and like I object. You're in contempt. The court rests. I could get him in trouble. <laughs> For real. I'm like, the press is like all around and they're like fedoras writing on paper. That's what I... Let me tell you, if I cover for someone, if I... If this were me and my husband ran off to a different city, my fake husband, <laughs> I would be like, call the New York Times. I'm about to spill my guts. Right? Edith. Guess what? You're coming back, Bill. <laughs> Guess what, Bill? You're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> but at the end of the day, the room gasped because Edith was found guilty of murder in the first degree oh, with no, no recommendation for mercy. It was an automatic death penalty. Oh, yeah. So Edith Klump was sent to prison. She's a pretty religious lady. She attended like the church area in the prison regularly and after being there for a while the prison priest guy bishop whatever you call him he asked to speak with her lawyer because she had told the priest a very different version of events oh, than what was discussed yeah. in court I didn't know that they could do that but that's good to know <laughs> and so that version of events made its way to the police too so this is her like 50 second confession <laughs> and here we go take 52 <laughs> yes I know it just seems like I'm just just telling you about all of what Edith is saying because it's it. so dramatic. I mean, I don't love it because it's awful, but like, I love the drama. Um, so when the police first started to question Bill, it's when the story I gave the police was first made up. I was building an alibi for him. It was an accident. He didn't mean to kill her. He said that they wouldn't believe him. He said that I shouldn't say we were married. I shouldn't tell him I was pregnant. It's just one little lie. And then it was another little lie and another one. He told me I just had to stick to my story and everything would be all right. Everyone would know it was an accident. I couldn't have done it. It wouldn't be possible for me to do it. After I gave the story at police headquarters, when Bill was brought down there, I told him I couldn't go through with it because of the children. And he told me I better think of the children if I valued my own kids, I'd go along. Wow, Bill. All right, Bill. <laughs> Psycho. Uh, Louise Bergen called me on October 30th in the afternoon. Again, 10 to 5. She never lied about that. Uh, she, she said she wanted to see me and it was important. She wanted to see me right away. I called Bill to see if he was coming over. Sometimes he stays at the office and sometimes he comes right to the school to pick me up after work. We got to talking and I told him I was going to meet Louise and I said that I thought he ought to meet too. If there was anything to say, we could get it all out at one time. 
he suggested that he pick her up and I would meet them behind Mount Washington Theater. I stopped to get gas. I ran into the grocery store and I guess I got there at about 545. They got out of his car and got into mine. They were arguing. Louise sat in the front seat with me and Bill sat in the back. The argument got so bad that at one point Bill slapped her. That was when she started telling me some of the things he had done and how he had cheated on her not even two weeks after they were married. They were arguing more about money. She wanted another hundred dollars. I started driving and I felt sick. I had to go to the bathroom. I told Bill that I wanted to look for a gas station and he was in a foul mood. He said, just pull into that subdivision and you can go there. So I did. Mm. I stopped and got out of the car. I jumped out real quick. She said to me, will you be all right? Do you want me to go with you? No, I'll be all right. And I ran across the road into the bushes and I was ill. Oh, she had to poop. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're throwing up, but that's funnier. That she just like, (laughs) her stomach hurt. She had massive stress diarrhea. (laughs) Same. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's what I, like she gets the BGs, the bubble guts from all the noise and panics. (laughs) So... She was only, she says she's only away for maybe five minutes. And she was really upset because they were arguing. Louise had been crying. She had asked Bill for a hanky and he told her that there was a Kleenex in the glove box. Oh. And a week before that, Bill had put the gun in the glove compartment. He was looking out the window watching me and she leaned over and opened the glove compartment. He turned to look at her and she had turned around in the seat and had the gun in her hand. She was holding it. He didn't think. He just reached over and grabbed her wrist. The way she was sitting was off balance and he knocked her over. And as she fell over, the gun went up under her chin and went off. He couldn't have hit her on the head. Her head was down on the seat. When I came back, Bill was in the back seat leaning over her and I saw blood. Her head was all bloody. I don't know what he was doing. I couldn't see anything in his hand. I didn't see the gun. I just started screaming. So Hmm. she passed out, she says, after this happened. And when... Yeah. Yeah. When she came to, Bill was like, hey, let's do this. And she said that she just started running down the road, right? He's like, where are you going? She's like, I'm going to go get help. You know what's good for you. You'll get back here. That's what Bill said. He's a shithead. Um, So yeah, he opened the trunk and forced her to help him get the body into the trunk because as we said, she could not lift him. Her arms were not in good way. She drove Bill back to the other car. He said he was going to clean himself up and go to Mel Abrams' house, his alibi, and that Edith had to go to the school and teach the class, even though she didn't want to go. He convinced her that if she didn't go, everyone will be suspicious, it'll look weird, you gotta go. So she went and taught the school, and then she went home, and they sat up and talked, and she kept making, she was making coffees, and they were trying to figure out where to put this body. And Bill wanted to throw it in the river, but the only places down by the river were the boat docks, and they have roads that go down to the river. Uh, somebody could have been on the boats that saw them, so there was that, and then they were like, well, let's go to these woods, and there were rangers there, so let's go to this other woods and there were rangers there too. And then they landed on Lake Cowan. Nobody around there because they don't even have a lifeguard. It's two hours away. Yeah, it was two hours away. And they went out and drove there that night. He got the gas can and he told her that they had to burn it up. So after they burned the body and headed back, Bill told her that she was going to have to go back the next day and do it again alone (gasps) because he had to go to work. So he sent her with her babysitting kids with the gas can to go re-burn the body. 
body. That is that is disgusting and awful. So awful, right? So that was Thursday night. So this is Friday morning. And she got everything and started driving up there. She got almost there, but then she was just like, I can't do this. And she drove back. And when he called her to see if she did it, he said that she's like, yep, I did go up there. I was there. But she didn't actually go and rebrand the body. Which makes sense why there were blisters and it wasn't yeah. like her body wasn't charred. Yeah. Um, after that, she went home and cleaned out the car. And that's why everything was so clean on that side. Can you imagine knowing that th- your kids were like, can you imagine like the babysitter being like, well, I was going to take the old kiddos up there and just burn this body. And, <laughs> and like, they, I mean, uh, the kids... I didn't mention their ages earlier, but they were like two and four. So oh. they're not like babies. They m- would probably have seen what was going on. But yeah, I remember my kids at four, they'd have been like, mom burned a body today. Yeah, but again, she didn't go when she had the kids. She started going and then she was like, I'm not doing this. Um, Her lawyer really went above and beyond for her. While she was on death row, she was filing appeal after appeal and they were all just returning the same verdict. So out of pocket, her lawyer paid for her to get the truth serum sodium amytal a hypnotic sedative it loosens you up so much that you essentially can't lie and under the influence she said that she remembered coming out of a thicket you know when she went and had Mm -hmm. stress diarrhea (laughs) and she saw bill standing over louise's dead body eventually they reopened the case with the help of the ohio state governor Oh, good for him. He was like, this is not cool because he got very invested in it as well. Edith was guilty of perjury, burning the body, collusion, and the death of Louise Bergen, but not murder. Yeah, but she didn't deserve the death penalty for that. No. So she, it was overturned and she was sentenced to 10 years. But when that happened, she had already served three. So on May 12th, 1971, Edith Klump was released from prison and she died on Christmas Eve, 1999 of cancer. Oh. What happened to Bill Burton though? Yeah, what the hell happened to Bill? (laughs) So the night of that murder, Bill claimed that he actually was with a prostitute and interviews with the prostitute determined that was a lie on no on December 28th. Imagine being such a shithead that like your alibi is, oh by the way, my two wives were together but I was with a prostitute. (laughs) So shitty. Oh. Oh my gosh. So on December 28th, 1962, the Ohio Attorney General acting on orders from the governor, requested a subpoena from a Maryland court that would require Bill Bergen to appear under oath before a commission named by the governor. And that got, he planned to be there and he was going to lead the questioning. That's and awesome. Subpoenas were issued to Mel Abrams and the prostitute and Ann Anderson. But the prostitute he had been with died suddenly of a heart attack on May 15th, not oh. even a month after she gave her statement to Lise. That's weird. Yeah. The Cincinnati Post sent a reporter to speak to Bergen and he was reluctant to talk but he said he would answer the summons and the day before his scheduled appearance Bergen's attorneys filed a motion to squash the subpoena and it was granted what so attorneys from the pardon and parole commission filed a motion with the circuit court of appeals for permission to question Bergen on January 11th and the four judge panel ruled the following day that Bergen did not have to answer the commission's subpoena but would have to answer one issued by an Ohio court and that never happened. Shut up. The Pardon and Parole Commission went into session that afternoon and voted 
five to none to let Edith's sentence stand, and he got away with it. Shut up. Nope. Edith spent 10 years in prison, became like a very motherly figure in the prison. Uh, The book that I read about all this is called Cincinnati's Savage Seamstress, because while she was- That's a really badass. Yeah. (laughs) That's a a badass book title. So when the trial first started happening, she would sew herself like really awesome like dresses and suits. And like the press ate it up because she looked awesome. And she was sewing them in prison. Like she was just- using fabric that she had to sew her own stuff in prison. And it said that she had a new outfit every day for two weeks. So she was sewing like a new dress every single night. And that's That's insane. I know. And she was sewing like that whole time. She did stuff for all the people in the prison. So she finally got out and remarried and lived with her kids and she was happy. I am not happy. I know. Isn't that? And I'm like, honestly, kind of pissed off that you gave me this case with like all those twists and turns, twists and turns and billions you giant I know what the how do you think I felt like reading an entire fucking book about it like yeah and it's like oh he got away with it what did he where is he now do we know no no idea he just like disappeared I bet he changed his name oh for sure probably he's in a brothel or something chilling with prostitutes Uh, Linda Bergen. I wonder what happened to her. I should have Googled her. So sad. Yep. Sure is. Like, come at me. I would never go to prison for my husband. No, not a chance. I'm not going to prison. (laughs) Especially if we're like this weird love triangle. No, I'm going to team up with Luis and we're going to kill you, Bill. (laughs) That's what, that's what I wish would have happened. No, I don't wish wish that. Edith But I wish there would have been like some Thelma and Luis. Yeah, like link up and they put their like like 50s dresses together and they become like murderous that would make like a really cool show i think I know that yeah I but that. no that's so and poor like you like being linda and knowing that your dad killed your mom and like how do you how how, how you don't you're just like i can't traumatize yeah. trust issues i'm not gonna daddy issues. so yeah Man, that sucks what um, a journey yeah thank you for that but not thank you for that i'm kind of annoyed <laughs> Well, that's what you get for doing that bombing one that one time where I thought was going to get solved. I was so annoyed after that. I was just like, he died. He wasn't guilty. He got out of jail and died. Died a month later. Yeah. So there's a little payback for you. Uh, (laughs) Man, that's like rough. I just picture all the detectives having that like, hey, where were you at last night? Like (laughs) that type of. Dude, poor Edith too. She's like doing, she's pulling, pulling all these lies out and like doing whatever she can to like. Now I get why she was at first I was like oh you silly little jerk like you yeah you're just trying to cover it up but she was just trying to like preserve her fake marriage fake marriage yeah and like I get it because I mean I don't get the fake marriage but like I get like why she had so many random things because I remember like trying to lie in like high school and stuff it's like by the end of it it's like I don't even know what I was talking about like it, you just try to turn it. it on to something else like that wasn't related to the reason why you were lying in the first place. Yeah, but in a murder investigation, I guess you can't really do that. Yeah, like her trying to blame it on some random dude that Louise obviously wasn't actually dating. <laughs> 
<laughs> but honest, now that like I realize that she's so much older than him, I guess I shouldn't say so much older because I'm like five years older almost than my husband. So it's like, but I pictured the Edith that I saw in the like the picture of her. Yes. Like this little cute little lady being like, oh, I heard she had another boyfriend and like trying to be, but she's just so cute and adorbs. And I hate that Bill's a twat. I, I, I hate I'm that. glad it's him, honestly, and not her. Like, yeah. Because it's always the husband. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder if she can profit from that. Like the, like if she was able to profit for the, from the book that was written about her because like she didn't kill. Oh, it you wasn't know what? Like a, I don't know. Hmm. Or at least if her kids were able to profit because they lost their mom for 10 years. Yeah. What the heck is that about? I can't believe he never was. I, I can't believe it was I can't was believe nothing. he like passed the polygraph tip. That just shows you how in like mm-hmm. in not, they don't work. Yeah. Because you just have to be like the right kind of asshole who can just lie through their teeth. I would have literally, as soon as he said that in the courtroom, stood up and been like, he did it. I'm lying. I've been, I've, this is perjury. I'm sorry. I lied, but he did it. So it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to blame Edith, but like at a certain point, like you, your issues were because you couldn't, I get being like that. So like so far in love and being like, I'm going to try and save him. This is what's best for my children. But like you got too far into it. That's why they would never question him. It's like you gave written statements. You did all of this, which yeah. it sucks, but it, ugh, um... I, I hate that. I hate I hate manipulative men like that. Yeah. And to two women, like, and obviously more because someone ran off with him, you know, yeah. while she was in jail. And obviously, like, if Luis was, I feel like Luis was a nice person. Like, I feel like she had that post-vacation glow up, didn't want anything to do with Bill's old stanky ass, and then <laughs> just wanted to live her best life. And you're mm, at, yeah, you're right. And I hate that. Even her saying to, you know, Edith, like, I just don't want him to make you as miserable as he made me. Yeah. Like, what a big person like, to be able girl. to talk to, like, the new wife like that. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, kind of a bummer, but it is interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> I I dig old cases. Like it, I dig them. I just like the imagery of it all. Like as I was reading it, it was, just, it was like a movie or like a yeah, like an old detective like show. It was cool. Yeah, like that t- black and white like funky music. That's the vibe <laughs> I got. <sighs> but yeah, thanks everyone for hanging out for this episode and the fact that we're going to be a couple days late. This is now. Thursday I'm gonna edit tomorrow and then because in case you guys didn't know we have Meg's in school full-time like and doing a ton of stuff at school and a mom and helping with homework and I am you have a job yeah (laughs) job and all this so we don't get to really record until the kids (laughs) we don't get to record until the kids are in bed that's why it's like I any crime after bed kind literally yeah like yeah like not our bedtime like our kids their bedtime bedtime. yeah so that's why in a normal circumstance I would just stay up but I gotta be up for work tomorrow and ah thanks for hanging with us and we have merch coming we like this is happening we keep teasing it and but it's gonna be so dope and like I the reason why it's taking so long is because we really want like quality 
quality products coming to you guys. We don't want it to be like garbage. Like the we cheapest hate- t-shirt and like a print that's going to wash off in your washing machine in three yeah. washes. Like I like the way stuff feeling soft. So they're going to be good t-shirts. Yeah, you got to get the soft ones. Yeah, you got to touch it before I even put it on. Like, <laughs> okay, yeah, this is good. I will but, allow yeah. this on my body. Okay. That's it for today. Thank you all so much for listening to Gruesome True Crime with me, Connie, and Meg. We appreciate every single one of you. We truly do. If you actually like us and you're not just trying to seduce and murder us, you can follow along or see extras from the show on our Instagram at Gruesome Podcast. Or if you want to tell us our skin would make a nice lampshade, or if you have follow-up questions about the episode, follow the form on our website, gruesomepodcast.com, and email us. We love hearing from you guys. You can listen to Gruesome at the links listed on that website, or you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you normally get your podcast bill. Thank you again. Be sure to subscribe. Check your back seat before you get into your car. And remember that on Wednesdays, We're We're gruesome. gruesome. Bye. Bye.